Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Off the Dome Sports Podcast, your favorite sports podcast where two sports lovers sit and give their hot takes. Off, off the, the dome. dome. I am Redfish. I am Clown Car. And we will be steering the ship today. Clown Car, how we doing? Phenomenal. Never better. It's been it's been a minute since you've been on. It's been forever. Uh look, they call me Mr. Lotober. Yeah, I missed all of October. You missed all. <laughs> I of haven't October. been on in a in a super long time, but I'm glad to be here right here right now with my man. Yeah, and we'll be talking about some baseball later on, so don't you worry, we'll get our fix. But um, you know, let's start off how we always do, uh, by shouting out the boys at B in the know, B in the K N E A U X, the only way to spell it. That's what I like to hear. Follow at B in the know on X or the artist formerly known as Twitter. Make sure to follow us as well, off the underscore dome pod. That's where you keep up with all of our ongoings. When we're going live, what we're doing, score updates for the Saints, LSU, the Pelicans, some thoughts here and there. And um, now that we're getting close to the end of football season, we'll be doing some extra content based around like the NFL draft. Um, make sure to keep basketball content going. So um, we're going to have some different type of stuff coming out pretty soon, um, especially with our boy Reba Hustle. I know he wants to do his little offensive line uh, tape watch um, because he's su- he is such a big O-line guy. So make sure to keep up with us um, over on the X, off the underscore dome pod to keep up with that. Make sure to follow at B in the know uh, and keep up with all the podcasts that are part of the network. Lots of good stuff. Make sure to check out the website. Got a lot of good articles being written. So um, excited for everything over there. And then, of course, you can uh, go to the merch shop and pick up the T-shirt that represents um, the best player in college football, JD5. The Iceman Paul Wall. Okay, Dut. Okay. Okay. I like it. Um, but, yeah, make sure to pick up some merch that represents the Heisman winner, Jaden Daniels. How do we feel about Jaden Daniels taking on the Heisman clown car? Expected, truthfully. The fact that it was even a conversation is kind of criminal. Because he was far and above the best player in college football. And I've seen discussions swirling online about how, you know, it's been years since a defensive player has gotten it. And maybe this should have been the year. But I don't think so, man. I think Jaden Daniels, despite how rough his defense performed, I think the offense was a legendary offense. An offense that kind of took the college football world by storm. So, you know, I, I think it's well-deserved. I'm super happy for him, and I'm, ex- I'm excited for when he is a, uh, he's a saint next year. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it was a historical offense for sure. Um, defense was one of the worst in LSU history, at least since I've been alive. Um, it, it was very embarrassing, honestly, the way we played defense this year. And if it wasn't for that, JD5 probably wins a couple more games, and it's – even more of a no-brainer than it already was for him to take home the Heisman Trophy. Um, I mean, not only was he a top-three quarterback through the air in almost every statistic, but he also was the best-running quarterback in college football. Right. So when you can pass the ball like he did, um, as well as add that running element, and, you know, people are acting like we were some 500 team or some lower-level team. We still got nine wins. We're looking for our 10th win in the bowl game. So it's not like we're this scrub team who's barely scooting by. Like, he contributed to a lot of quality wins. Um, We had a top 10 strength of schedule, and we still ended up with double-digit wins um, based on the bowl game finish if we can win that one. So 
you know, I think JD definitely deserved it. I think if there was a most improved award, he probably would have won that as well. Um, not He had a decent year last year, but overall as a player, he got so much better this season. Uh, and it was really exciting to watch uh, Jaden Daniels do what he did best, and that was pass the ball for a bunch of yards, run the ball for a bunch of yards, and score it like nobody's business. You know what the most obvious improvement was this year? was his confidence at the quarterback position. You know, last season, you go look back at the tape and you see him him second-guessing his throws. You see him hesitating to make to take that first step in a play where he needs to, to use his legs to get a first down, get some yards. But this season, he looked way more confident. He, he, looked like, he, he looked like the best player in college football because he established some confidence within himself. So I, th- I think that's where he improved the most. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, like last year, you would see him sit back in the pocket, take five or six hitches, and just, you know, try to find a running lane. Like he wouldn't, he would go through his progression so quickly that things would break down. Um, but this year, you saw him sit in the pocket. You see him go left to right or right to left, depending on the read. You saw him, you know, within RPOs, really read the defensive line and see, am I supposed to hand this ball off or do I take off here? Um, it wasn't just a. I'm going to tuck and run every single play. It was, I'm going to read the field like a quarterback. Um, And I think his football IQ greatly improved. I think his relationship with Brian Kelly can't be understated um, because I know, you know, not only last year, but at the beginning of this season uh, against Florida State, it felt like something like there was tension there um, between the quarterback and the head coach, and that's never a good feeling. But by the end of the year, Brian Kelly could not have been singing more praises of Jaden Daniels, not only as a player, but as a leader and as a man. And I think that's really important um, for the guy who's representing all of college football as the Heisman winner. So really proud of what JD5 did. And now it's on to next season, huh? It's on to next season. Um, <laughs> new quarterback, new new star wide receiver, got to figure something out. I'm, yeah, you know, Malik Neighbors is going to be gone. Brian Thomas is going to be gone. Um, so we'll definitely have to figure something out there as far as playmakers go on the outside, as well as quarterback. They have a bunch of quarterbacks in the transfer portal right now. They have some who people have, you know, rumored to enter that haven't entered yet. So we'll see if we get anybody. Um, how do you feel about Nuss? Like, do you think he's going to be our starter? Do you think he should be our starter? Should we look elsewhere? What, I, what do you think that quarterback situation looks like? I think Nuss could be the starter for the time being, um, just for the simple fact that I think LSU has bigger fish to fry next season. They they need to focus on getting back to championship defense that they were known for in the past, and that should be their focus despite losing these wide receivers, despite losing Jaden Daniels. Um, and I think Nuss will be serviceable. I don't love him at quarterback. I mean, earlier in the year, I was getting into a screaming match with Rebo Hustle on the pod about how, how he didn't want Jaden Daniels to, to play in the game. But so... And and I don't think Nuss is that great of a quarterback, but I think he has experience with the Tigers. I think he has earned his shot at being a starter. So I think uh, I think he should be the starter next season while LSU focuses more on rebuilding that defense. Yeah. Um, firstly, we do have to give our flowers to Rebo Hustle because he went from somebody who thought Jaden Daniels should take a seat on the bench to acknowledging that he definitely was the Heisman this year. Right. Um, and, and not only the Heisman in form of stats, but Heisman in form of actually the best player, like not even just stat watching, just watching the game of football. Jaden Daniels was phenomenal. Um, so thank you, Rebo Hustle, for coming to your senses. Um, speaking on for Nuss. 
Uh, well, you know, you can't ask too much from the guy. Uh, speaking directly on Nuss, though, um, you know, this is going to be his third season as a Tiger, you know, this upcoming year, um, this next year. Uh, it'll be his third season as a Tiger. He, you know, he, he was asked, you know, why didn't you enter the, enter the transfer portal? And he was like, LSU is home. I don't want to go anywhere else. Um, this is where I feel like I've, I've grown a lot as a player, as a person, and I want to stay here. Um, he's from Louisiana, so it's natural for him to feel that way. So I, I think I think we'll see from Nuss what he can do. Um, what I'm really excited for is I'm excited to see the battle in camp because I don't think Nuss immediately gets the starting job. Oh, no shot. I think, I think we're going to have Colin Hurley, who is a phenomenal recruit, Who's going to come into the uh, the camp, and he's going to look phenomenal. We have Ricky Collins, who um, was on our bench this year, and then we'll have Nuss. So you know, I think it'll be a three man battle and see who can who can do what. Um, you know, Brian Kelly before last year said, "Hey, this is this is a battle between Nuss and Jaden," and we saw what that did to Jaden as a player. Um, so I think giving Nuss that same motivation can be really good for him if he can come out. Um, you know, people call him a gunslinger because he's going to throw the ball. He, he's he's going to put it in, in some spots where... He has a crazy arm. Yeah. He's going to put it in some spots, you know, similar to a Josh Allen, where he's going to he's gonna toss that thing, and it, it may end up in the defender's hands, but if not, it might be a 75-yard touchdown. So, you know, we'll have to see how Nuss progresses um, because he has all the talent in the world, but, you know, how does it all come together? So we'll see how Nuss plays. Um, I'm excited for next season, but uh, I think one thing we have to talk about is the defense because... Matt House is still, as of right now, our defensive coordinator. Uh, the rumor is that Brian Kelly said he didn't want to make any changes before the bowl game. Um, so we'll see where that goes after the bowl game. But how confident are you that Matt House is still our DC next year? And if he is, what do you think that outcome could look like? Um, you know, I think that he is... I, I hate it because, you know, it is at the end of the day, he's a guy who has a job. You know, he's a real person. And you don't want to wish anybody to get fired from their job or anything. But, you know, I don't think his best place for success is with the Tigers. And I think everyone can see that. I mean, this is the statistically worst LSU defense we've had in the 21st century. So I, I think I think he is going to get he is going to get pushed to the side, if not gotten rid of completely. Um, I, I could see him taking on like a specialty role within the defense somewhere. Maybe like a like a I don't know what he specializes in. He's a lot. He was the linebackers coach for the Chiefs before he came here. So that's, maybe that's, that's what a he does. Maybe he becomes a linebackers coach for the Tigers and maybe for another college football team. But I think his his time as the the coordinator for the Tigers is over. I, you know, like you said, you don't wish anybody to get fired because he's human and he has bills to pay and a family to feed. But um, it it's not the greatest look right now having him at DC. Um, it was it was an embarrassing time for the Tigers to play defense all year long. Um, we had maybe two or three games where I felt confident in our defense, and it was against really bad offenses. It wasn't like it was a game where we needed the defense to show up necessarily. You thinking of that Army game? I'm thinking of the Army game. I'm thinking of the Auburn game. Um, I'm thinking of the Grambling game. Um, you know, the teams who you, we didn't expect to score a lot of points anyway. Um, so... I don't know if I uh, love the idea of Matt House staying on, um, but then again, you you got to look at the options and be like, hey, is there anybody out there who's better for us? Is there anybody out there who we know is going to come in and do a better job? So we'll see what Brian Kelly does as far as staffing changes. 
Um, like you said, with the specialty role, we saw that two years ago with Bill Polian. Um, went from uh, – or Brian Polian, excuse me. Um, Brian Polian came from Notre Dame with him, was a special teams coach. Special teams sucked. Moved him into the associate head coach or uh, assistant whatever role. Um, and then, you know, he's moved on since. But, um, you know, a demotion isn't always – out of the question, so we'll see where Madhouse ends up after this bowl game. Um, I am kind of scared that he'll still be our DC, but if he is, hopefully the talent uh, can change and he, he can figure something out there. There's only room to improve. There <laughs> is only room to improve. Only way to go is up. Once we get closer to the bowl game, we'll we'll break that down, um, that matchup with Wisconsin and the ReliQuest Bowl. Don't want to break it down now because then we'll have nothing to talk about with the Tigers um, until then. So we'll, we'll save that for the next one. But let's move on to um, a team that, you know, it, honestly, at this point, it's almost impossible to watch. Well, well, hang on. Before we talk about that nonsense, uh-huh. uh, give, me a, give me a tight five on Florida State. Should they have been in the four? No. Um, I agree. I, I, think, I think what the committee has shown and what they're supposed to do is you take the four – best all-around teams in college football. You take what they've done, you take who they beat, and you take what you think they can do. Um, and, and somebody, I forgot who said it, um, but I was listening to a podcast, and they said the way they should judge this is, would you take Florida State over this team? And, like, you, you put it in betting terms. Like, what would the spread be if these two teams played? And there's Florida State would not be favored over any of the top four teams, and in my opinion really wouldn't be favored over Ohio State or Oregon either, who ended up behind them. So for me, um, I know it sucks being undefeated, being a Power 5 conference champion. Like, what else do you want them to do? Um, but, it, you know, when you have an Alabama one-loss team um, who just beat Georgia in the SEC championship, when you have Texas, who's been hot all season except for that one loss to Oklahoma in a nail-biter, and then you have two undefeated teams who have beat better teams than Florida State did, um, it's it's really really hard for them to justify putting in FSU. Right. I think it was it was Kirby that said it's not the teams with the best record. It's the four best teams. Yep. And Florida State is not one of the four best teams, whether they earned it or not. Alabama would have beaten Florida State if they played one on one. And honestly, I think Georgia's going to beat them in the bowl game. So uh, I you know it is what it is, I guess, but. If I was on the committee, I wouldn't have put Florida State in either. That's also true. But um, if FSU was in the playoffs, it would not be as good for the money and the ratings um, as having Alabama versus Michigan. Um, so, you know, you can look at it from both sides. You can look at it from the we want to have as good of ratings and want mo- as many people to watch, or you can say, hey, they really did pick the four best teams. I think either way, no matter how you look at it, Florida State uh, – it just wasn't their year to be in. Um, if Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt, I think it's a completely different story. If Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt, I mean, they're probably in the four. That's what, Yeah, it's they're in the four because they win games by more right. than they did while he was out, um, and they just look like a more complete football team. But when you have your second and third string quarterback coming in there, it just doesn't feel good. So, is that Soundman or is that Byron? <laughs> One of the BGs, uh, <laughs> I believe that is, I believe that is Mustang, uh, said none of this will matter once the playoffs expand. Once we're at a twelve-team playoff, that's absolutely true. That's my dream, man. I'm so, 
so excited for that day. And I really hope that LSU can finish with two or less losses next year um, and get a home game in Tiger Stadium for the playoffs. <laughs> That'd be huge. That would be amazing. I'll make sure to make it out to that. Clown Car Seniors in the chat talking about Georgia. I mean, Georgia could have made it, but then Georgia beat Bama, man. I mean, Bama beat Georgia. Yeah, that's the uh, – is Georgia a top-four team in college football? Maybe, um, but I just don't think you can justify putting them in over any of the four teams that did make it. I, I think, like, the big thing to get out of what has happened here is that the system sucks. Yeah, and I think that's what it proves. And even if you're against the 12-team playoff expansion – at least it's different because yeah. every year someone is mad about the four. Yep. And the, and at least they're trying something different. So I think uh, I, I think it'll be good for the sport. Yeah, I think I think no matter how you look at it, somebody's going to be mad about something. So there's no way to make everybody happy. So expanding it to twelve teams at least gives more of a chance um, of of giving that feeling of like an NFL or MLB NBA playoffs where it's like anybody can really win this thing. Right. Um, Whereas with the four teams, it was kind of like, man, you already kind of know what's going to happen. So it'll be fun. Uh, What's your, real quick before we move on to the team I was going to talk about, what's your quick prediction of who wins the first two matchups? Okay, so it's it's Texas, Bama, and Michigan, Washington? No, Texas, Michigan. I mean, Texas, Washington, Michigan, Bama. Texas, Washington, Michigan, Bama. Yep. Okay, I think... I think I think I think these are the four best teams in college football. I agree. I mean, it, it is it's it's kind of a tough one to pick. I think Bama is red hot and could easily beat Michigan, but Michigan kind of looks unstoppable. Like Michigan is great, so I, I could see that going either way. For the sake of making a decision, I'll say Michigan. And on the other side, I think I think Quinn Ewers is back. I think he is is super talented. I think Washington has looked shaky at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll I'll take Texas, and that'll be Texas Michigan in the in the national championship. Yeah, I mean you see Mustang in the chat said Texas Bama. Um, I think that's the most popular pick right now is Texas Bama, but I'm gonna back you and say Michigan Texas. Let's go. Um, I think Bama's offense has shown weakness. Uh, only scored 27 against Auburn. Almost lost that game. One on a freak fourth and 31. And I don't think that happens against a really good Michigan defense who found a way to beat Penn State, Ohio State, um, shut out Iowa, even though, you know, Iowa can't score points anyway. Still shutting out a college football team is is a feat itself. Um, So uh, I'll take Michigan over Bama, and then I think Texas defense is just going to be too much for that Washington offense. Um, Pac-12 is interesting when it comes to the offense-defense matchup. Um, I think this will be the first time they're playing a real defense all season um, in Texas. So I'll take... I'll take a Texas versus Michigan national championship. And and if we're wrong, I don't we know. We can delete the clip. Delete the clip. Uh, but anyway, we can move on to the, the team that's represented on that hat you got on. Um, six and seven. <laughs> we're tied for first, Tied baby. for first with the Buccaneers and the Falcons. Um, man, I, I was talking to my buddy today. Um, Big buddy. And he's a Falcons fan. He's been in the comments a couple times on here. You got Um, a lot of buddies? I do. I got some buddies. Um, But I was talking to my buddy, um, Falcons fan, and uh, he 
we shook hands and said we both hope the Buccaneers win the division. Uh, that's that's where we're at. That's where I'm at with the Saints. Um, I I was texting, I believe I believe I texted Soundman, and I said I have lost all love for this team. I don't care that we beat the Panthers by 22 points. That means literally nothing to me. Um, I honestly would have rather lose the game because then we give up on the season and we get a better pick. It's hard to say that when you're one game under 500. And you know you're acting like the world's ending, but even the games we win aren't impressive wins. Derek Carr had 37 passing yards going into the fourth quarter against a Panthers defense. Um, Michael Thomas is out for the year. Chris Olave has been looking a lot better recently, um, but we can't stay healthy on the offensive line. We can't stay healthy in the tight end room. Can't stay healthy on the back end can barely stay healthy at quarterback yeah I, Derek Carr said he was playing with three broken ribs at one point two of them weren't even reported Jameis is sitting on the bench just waiting to throw an interception like man this team is just ugh, it's uh, it's hard it's really hard at this point I think look I was at the game I was at the game on Sunday I went for the first half It was some of the worst football I've ever seen in my life. And the only reason the Saints win that game is because Carolina is that bad. And I think it speaks to a a grander, a, a, a more big picture kind of depiction of the NFL right now. And it's that the NFL has a horrible product right now. There are so many horrible teams. And... There are so many fan bases that are unsatisfied with the play of their team. And I think the Saints are... We were projected to get to be better than this, so it kind of hurts a little more for us. But I think everyone is kind of feeling this. If your team is kind of... Is a Carolina, is a, an Atlanta, is is a Buccaneer. You know, anyone in the South. It, it It's so bad. And... And thank God that that we were able to win that game because if we would have lost, it would have been ugly, ugly. <laughs> I honestly would have preferred a loss because maybe Dennis Allen would no longer be our coach. I just, I, I, I listen. It, you have to look at stuff that's happening on the field, and you have to recognize that coaching is just not holding up their end of the bargain. I think there's a lot of stuff that fans see that just don't make sense. I know. You know, it's it's easy to be a, a, a couch coach right. and, and, you know, call plays from the couch and say, oh, I would do this, I would do that. Um, but when you have your job on the line and you're trying to, you know, prove your livelihood, it's a different story um, with Dennis Allen. You know, he's trying to take it one game at a time. He always says that in his press conferences is, you know, just keep getting better every day, blah, 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 all the coach cliches. Um, but, man, it, it's just, it's really tough when it feels like, with this talent we have on our team and with the hype we had coming in before the season, there there should be no question who's winning the division right now. We have seven losses, and at most, I think we should have three or four. With the schedule we've played, we had the easiest schedule coming into the, the season. And, you know, like Dutt said, there's been literally no accountability uh, whatsoever from anybody. He mentioned the front office, but it's, it's literally everybody on the team. Mickey Loomis is, you know, he's... We're we're making the right decisions. Things just aren't working out. Da same thing. Derek Carr, um, man, that looks bad right now. 
Um, yeah, it, 37 passing yards going into the fourth quarter. Um, he's the most expensive quarterback in the NFC South, and he's probably the second worst. So it, it's just tough to look at this team and for nobody to take responsibility for what's going on other than the very vocal leaders of our team. Like Kamara has been spoken out in the media of, you know, saying what's going wrong. Cam Jordan always, DeMario Davis is always going to give, um, you know, some truth behind his word and everybody else is just kind of taking a back seat. And it's re- it's really, really tough to fall in love with a team who's acting like this. I, I think it boils down to the fact that the defense, we've, ha- we've had a very similar defense for almost a decade now, like six, seven years. We've had these same guys. They're getting old. They're getting slower, except for uh, what's his name, Granderson. He's having Carl a gr- Granderson. He's having, having a great, great year. year. Yep. Um, and then on the offense, there is a fundamental problem with scheming. And I sit there and I watch the Saints, and it's one thing. And then I turn on Monday Night Football last night and I watch the Dolphins with a guy with like Mike McDaniel's coaching that team, and they have. Craycraft doing cartwheels in the backfield <laughs> while A-Chain picks him up and puts him behind the quarterback so that he can hand the ball off and then chuck it downfield. Like, they are they are being smart with football. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like the Saints are doing the same bland, vanilla stuff every single play. Yeah. Like, you can call out what they're going to do before every single snap, especially when it's fourth and, like, one like you're like, oh yeah, it's gonna be a pass forty yards down the field. <laughs> Even when you need two yards, it's gonna yeah. be a hail mary pass for no reason. Yeah, I mean, you. It feels like the game has evolved, but Pete Carmichael is not. That's exactly like, what it feels it, like. It, I mean, you watch teams like the 49ers and the Dolphins and the Cowboys and the Eagles, like all these teams who you know have good offenses, like they use motion to their advantage. They use the numbers game to their advantage. They bring out different sets. They use a wide receiver at a running back. They use a running back at wide receiver. They, you know, bring they go into a formation that looks like they're going to do one thing and do something completely different. With the Saints, it feels like you're playing Madden and you have like 15 different plays and you just run those 15 plays and see what works. Um, you're not creating anything new. You're not coming up with any sort of innovative offense to, you know, Test the defense at all. It feels like we're playing it safe a lot. Yeah, um, we're not trying to. We're not trying to recreate the wheel, which in football sometimes you have to do that. That's how you've seen a lot of dynasties start. Um, it's how you. It's how you win games. It is because if the other team is taking those risks and it's working, your vanilla play, your stale play, is not going to get it done. Even if the team is worse than you. Yeah, um, and then one thing I did want to talk about. Thank you, Dut, for dropping in there. Um, when your center and quarterback are fighting mid-game, you, that, that that is enough that I need to see. <laughs> right. Um, they're, they're supposed to be like the most meshed part of the O-line. If there's, if there's two people on a football team who should be best friends, it's the center and the quarterback. Because they <laughs> literally communicate every single play. Every single play. If there's no other two people who touch the ball every play, it's the quarterback and the center. Um, and when you have your center yelling at your quarterback and your quarterback kind of acting like a punk about it. Sorry, um, it's not going to work. Eric McCoy, we know, is a very good football player. He's been in the Pro Bowl. Um, his rookie season, he was fantastic. Um, well, didn't Derek Carr make a Pro Bowl? 
That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> a whole seven years ago. What was that, 2016? Yeah, 2016, a whole seven years ago. Um, Eric McCoy, I think, you know, he, he seems to know what he's doing. Derek Carr doesn't always. Um, I think he's hurt, though. And I, I think when you're hurt and you're trying to make up for things that you shouldn't be having to make up for, I think that's going to hurt the play of the game, not only your body, but everybody around you. Um, and I think the coaching staff has to look at that and either tell him, hey, you cannot play anymore, or Derek Carr has to put it on himself and be like, hey, I'm physically hurting my team right now. Let me take a step back and see what I can do. Right. Um, I just think the communication and the accountability on our team are the two biggest problems, and neither one's neither one is going to help us win football games. I don't. I saw in the rumor mill, man, the Saints and Justin Fields are kind of being linked together. How do you actually feel about that? Like taking out your Bears bias and like not. Not for a hot take, like genuinely your feelings. How do you feel about if Justin Fields were traded to the Saints? I, taking out all of my bias, I would be ecstatic. And for what reason? Because I think Justin Fields is a superb athlete and a decent quarterback. I think his biggest problem is where he's at. And I know it might seem phony when I say it, but I think he has the opportunity, he has the capability of being one of the best quarterbacks in football. Now, we do have to put into perspective, you did think the Bears were going to get double-digit wins this year. Look, man, they had an easy schedule. I thought they would be better, and that's my bad. I will say, though, they are a completely different team when Justin Fields is not on the field. That is very do true. Do you remember when he got hurt for like three games, two or three games? They looked Abysmal, and, and then as soon as he comes back, they're scoring. They points. just beat the Lions. They should have beat the Lions two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, listen, you've got a point. Um, I think Fields, as much as I hate on Fields and say he's terrible, I don't think he's, I don't think he's good, but he's better than a lot of backups. I'll think, put it that way. Right. I think he's still young. I think he's a better option than a guy like Derek Carr at this point. Yeah, and I think he, a guy like Justin Fields, would be a chance for the Saints to start new. I think my biggest problem with us having Justin Fields is nothing changes in the sense of we have the same coaching staff, um, and I don't think this coaching staff matches Justin Fields at all um, because of the traditional way we play. Well, football. do they do they match Derek Carr? No, <laughs> I mean, and they're two very different quarterbacks. So I right. don't know if this, honestly, I don't know if this coaching staff matches anybody. Um, but we'll see where that goes. Uh, hopefully, Gail Benson gets you know a couple ears um, grown on her head so she can listen a little bit more to the fan base. Uh, Who do but, we play on Sunday? Oh, uh, so our last four games we have Giants on Sunday, mm-hmm. and then the next week we have the Rams, followed by the Falcons, and then the Buccaneers or the Buccaneers and then the Falcons. But those are our last four opponents: the Giants, the Rams, the Bucks, and the Falcons. Um, all three of those, all three at the NFC South are sitting at six and seven. Um, if I had to guess, the winner of the division will end up with eight wins because that's probably how it'll go. Um, in my opinion, it'll probably be the Bucks or the Falcons. Um, I think we might win one game the rest of the year. Um, the Giants are on a heater right now. They are playing very well. One last night against the Packers. Uh, Tommy DeVito is playing really good at the quarterback position. Rams just took the Ravens to all they could handle. Um, and then I don't think we can beat both the Falcons and the Bucks. So we, I think we're genuinely going to win one game the rest of the season. That'll put us at seven and ten. 
I, th- I think you could be spot on. I, c- I could I could see us winning a game against Atlanta. I could see us winning that game. It, because, is, is that in the Dome? Uh, yeah, we played them away. I, I could see us winning that game. Like, see, here's the thing with the Saints. They, they, dis- they randomly decide during a game when they want to play like a real football team. Yeah. Like there's at least one drive a game where they look like elite. They look like the best of the best. But every other drive, it's run, run, incompletion. Run, incompletion, kneel. Like they, they do silly things to to beat themselves. Yeah. But on, on at least one drive, they um they look pretty good. So if the defense can step up against a, a pretty a pretty rough Atlanta team or a or a, a a weird Buccaneers team. I could I could see us winning either of those games. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know what to expect from our team anymore. Like you said, we always have that one moment in the game where it's like, oh man, we figured it out, and then we didn't. Um, like you, you look at the second half comeback against the Lions, where we thought, oh, we might win this game. Right. Um, didn't work out. Um, you know, in the fourth quarter of this Panthers game, we finally started clicking. Uh, shout out Jimmy Graham getting in the end zone. Um, he needs to be active more often. He has three catches on the year, two of them for touchdowns, by the way. Yeah. Um, I don't know why we don't play him more. Uh, Taysom was out, which is why he played, and he ended up scoring touchdowns. I don't know why you don't put those two on the field at the same time. Uh, it's hard to cover a six eight former basketball player at the same time you're covering a six four guy who runs a four five and can put his shoulder through you. Right. So um, I think our personnel groupings have been weird. Just everything has not gone the Saints' way this year. Um, I'm hoping that we'll get a good draft pick in the offseason. We reset and can, you know, finally figure out the identity of this team. I think this is a team without an identity right now. I think that's that's the best thing to do is start over at this point. Yeah. And and I've always been a guy who is like, if you can make the playoffs, make the playoffs. You never know what is going to happen. And who knows? Maybe the Saints do get hot and make the playoffs and then they win a playoff game somehow. But it still doesn't change the fact that things need to change in New Orleans. Yeah. Coaching needs to change in New Orleans. A culture needs to change in New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. Um, I'm also really excited for this season to come to a close and we can start doing mock drafts and stuff. (laughs) Um, I was doing one today just because Matt Miller posted his first one, uh, an ESPN contributor. Because um, I just wanted to see where he had the LSU guys going because he had our big three uh, in the first round. He had JD5 to the Giants, Malik Neighbors to the Bears, and then Brian Thomas to my Detroit Lions. So I thought those were three pretty cool fits um, and made sense for what those teams need. Um, so I'm excited for us to start doing that. And then once we see where the Saints pick, we'll start, you know, fantasizing about who we could get right there. Right. Um, looking into college football and beyond. Um, so why don't we crack a little bit of baseball? Like you said, you haven't been on since before October, so you didn't get to talk about the World Series at all. We'll do a quick little recap of what you saw happen in the playoffs, who won the World Series, why you think they won, and then we're going to have to talk about some free agency as well. Okay. Um, I think, well, if you guys didn't see, the Rangers won the World Series. It's their first World Series in franchise history. Good for them. Congratulations to the guys at the Squeeze. I know... I know at least one of them is a huge Rangers fan. Dave's a big Rangers guy. Um, I think Marcelo is a, uh, a Mariners fan. I could be wrong about that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but, uh, yeah, the Rangers were great. They they spent in the areas they needed to 
during the season. They made the trades that they needed to during the season to set themselves up for postseason success. They went and got Jordan Montgomery. They went and got they went and got Aroldis Chapman. They went and got all of those guys. Booster, boosted their bullpen, even though it wasn't incredible. It was serviceable because their offense was that good down the stretch. So they were they were able to roll everybody in the playoffs. And then the Diamondbacks were a very pleasant surprise. The Diamondbacks were the age-old tale of momentum that happens in baseball. When a team is hot heading into the playoffs, they remain hot during the playoffs. And we saw it that the teams that had the first round bye in the MLB playoffs performed worse because of the fact that they had those days off and the other teams didn't. When you're yeah. playing every day, you at a high level, you're going to perform easier at a high level. Like you can get cold in that day, in those days off that the other teams have. And it happened to the Orioles, it happened to the Dodgers, it happened to a few other teams. So I think that's why the Diamondbacks got there. They caught some teams on their heels. Their pitching was great down the stretch. Uh, they were very fast. They, were, they played very sound baseball. Uh, they have a very bright future. So, yep. The Diamondbacks this year gave me the Phillies vibes from last year. Right. Where it was like that that team where you knew if they got hot, they could make a run for it, and they just so happened to happen at the right time. Um, so, I mean, like you said, they've got a very bright future. Very young team. Um, and, and a team that, you know, is, is picking up some momentum now to where it's a place people will probably want to go. Yeah. Because um, when you're a young team like that who is expected – to finish probably fourth in their division and they're able to make the World Series. Um, really impressive stuff out of the Diamondbacks, but really glad the Rangers won it. We got to see the Rangers in person this year. Yeah, um, that so that's was cool. a really cool thing. Yeah. Um, we thought we saw the eventual World Series matchup, but the Braves ended up dropping it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just touching on the Rangers for a second, you know, when you get Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, Adoles Garcia in the same lineup, um, and then, you know, you have very impressive rookies. Um, Josh Young, I mean Evan Carter. Yeah, like when you have really good rookies to go along with really savvy vets, um, and then you have some sound defense, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so shout out to the Rangers for winning it all. Um, what do you see? You know, now that we're out of that season, we're moved into free agency and trades and the off season. Like, what do you see going on right now that you think we got to talk about? I know the big one, but let's let's talk about some small moves before we get into. Old LA. Well, I think we should start with the big one, right? Okay. Okay, so right. uh, Nixon Zell and Dylan Floro <laughs> to my Washington Nationals. Um, that was confirmed today. That's yeah. a right-handed pitcher and a, an infielder. Big move. But no, we can start with some small ones. Um, Edu- Eduardo Rodriguez, they call him Erod. He a uh, great pitcher for Detroit. He signed with the Diamondbacks, who are just in the World Series, and that's a great pickup for them because now they have Gallon, they have Kelly, and they have Erod. If all of those guys can perform at a high enough level for them, they might find themselves in a in another pretty pretty sweet playoff spot this coming season. Yeah, I agree. That you're the baseball man. I'll let you run. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. No, no. Um, what else? What else? Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill to your Sox. That's an yep. that's an interesting move from the Sox. Is a is a team well, that really really needs pitching. Well, They're you like, got to do what you got to do when you trade your second best player <laughs> um, to the franchise in which you hate the most. 
um, a guy who was our only good return for Mookie Betts at this point. Nobody else is still with the team, not even the prospects. Um, and Verdugo was showing that he was the leader of our outfield. He was, I mean, he was batting leadoff at some points, and, you know, he was showing that he could be a really solid contributor to a good playoff baseball team. Um, and then instead of using him as a piece to build around between him and Rafi, we ended up trading him for people who I've never heard of. So, From the Yankees' perspective, I find the Verdugo trade very interesting because they trade for Verdugo, and then a week later, or maybe not even a week, they go and trade for Juan Soto and Trent Grisham yep. of the Padres. So the Trent Grisham move did feel weird. To right. include him on that trade, well, it was it was part of the package because Trent Grisham, I think, is a better ball player than Alex Verdugo, in my opinion. I'm um, biased. I can't speak. Right, um, but now the the Yankees, the injury riddled Yankees, who have guys that get injured every year, have found themselves with five players who who are outfielders, with only three outfield spots and one DH. So we have Aaron Judge. Yep. Who's going to play the field? He's, he's going to play right field. He's going to play center field, probably. Really? You think? Yeah. Because okay. he, he's a great defender. They're going to have Juan Soto in right, even though he's like the worst defender possible. They're going to have they're going to have Stanton, John Carlos Stanton, at DH, because where else do you put him? Correct. If you put him in the field, he's not that great of a fielder, and you risk him getting injured. He's been yeah. injured every year he's been with the Yankees or something. And then in left field, you have either Verdugo or you have Grisham. They can't both play in the same lineup unless you teach somebody to play first base. And I think that's going to boil down to what happens on the day. I think um, I think Verdugo might, might hit against righties. And then when it's lefties, I think it might be Trent Grisham. I don't know. I don't know who hits lefties better between the two of them. But I think uh, I think it's an inter- it's an interesting move from the Yankees. I'm not quite sure what they're building in there. I mean, obviously, I don't know what what's in the minds of the Yankees, what they have planned for the future. But all we can do is assume. Either way, the Juan Soto pickup is unbelievable. Juan Soto is still so young. He's like 22, 23. Is he really? Yeah, he's so young. Wow. And he looks like a Hall of Famer. He's younger than Adley Rutschman. That's crazy, and he and he looks like a Hall of Famer already. He wow. he's the best at getting base in getting on base in the entire major league. So add that to a lineup that already has an Aaron Judge. It's it's going to be crazy in New York. I'll be rooting against them, but it'll be crazy. They will be Bronx Bombers once again. I believe <laughs> um, hurts my soul to say the least. Yeah. Um, because literally, although I'm a Red Sox fan, I like the other three AL East teams. Um, I love the Orioles and the Blue Jays. Um, I can stand the Rays, but boy, oh boy, do I hate the Yankees. Um, so let's just go ahead and let's let's talk about the big move. Let's let's talk about what happened. I do want to mention real quick that yeah. Jung Hoo Lee, uh, a great Japanese uh, transfer over from Japan, signed with the Giants today, um, and he was very good in Japan. So I think that could be a big pickup for them. And Yahamoto will be a Red Sox. You think Yamamoto's going to be a Red Sox? I can guarantee it. Ooh, I don't know, man. I yeah. think... Him and Masataka are best friends, dog. Let it happen. 
I think he could be a Dodger. Okay. A- along with the 10-year, $700 million oh. man, Shohei Otani. Um, so, yeah, Shohei signs with the Dodgers for $700 million. Man. <laughs> and it, Steep. It's crazy. It's the biggest contract in North American sports history. And I think it'll be a long, long time before we see another contract like this one. Oh, yeah. the There are insane deferrals on this contract. As it stands, for the next 10 years, Shohei Otani will be the 17th, at least next season, he will be the 17th highest played, paid player on the Dodgers. How crazy is that? He's yeah. Gonna, he's going to be making $2 million a year for 10 years, and then when that contract is up, it'll be $68 million a year for another 10 years. Yeah, I mean, it's some Bobby Bonilla. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's similar to that. There there was a tweet that said that um, at the end of Shohei Otani's contract, the 10 years, Bobby Bonilla will still ge- be getting paid three years after that. Which so, is insane. Right. So there are 13 more years on Bobby Bonilla's contract. But then this turned out to be a Bobby Bonilla-style kind of deferral kind of thing. So now Shohei is going to be making money, making $68 million dollars when he's 45, 46 through 50 years old because yeah. he's like 29, 30 right now. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I think this could have, be a chance for the Dodgers to to be incredible. They could win five World Series or something crazy if they can use all of these deferrals to their advantage. However, the inverse is that they don't win any with Shohei over these 10 years. And then it creates a problem because then you're paying a guy, a 40-year-old guy, $68 million a year for 10 years without a ring to show for it. So you kind of shoot yourself in the foot. If that happens, they'll make a documentary about the Dodgers. I've been saying that ever since Shohei signed. If that happens, they'll make a documentary about it. Because nothing like that has ever happened before. It's World Series or bust at this point. And I think Shohei does... He, he's the best player in baseball. And I think he does put him put the Dodgers in a position to win. I just think it is, it is, it is an interesting thing. Most of the time, uh, when it comes to financial things in baseball, I'm no accountant. I'm no whiz. <laughs> I'm no whiz with money or numbers. So I trust that the team of accountants that a Major League Baseball team has employed is doing the right thing. But this feels crazy. I think that because of how like how much of a stretch of the rules that this feels like because of all the deferrals, I think this is going to be the last contract we see with this amount of deferrals. Yeah. I think they will change the rules of baseball because of this. This contract will stand until its completion and then there will never be another contract like it because MLB will put a cap on money that is deferred. Yeah, they have to. Um, I let you handle all of that because I know you know a lot more about it than I do. Uh, My one question to you is, well, two questions. I'll follow it up with a a sub-question. But realistically... If Shohei can play at the Shohei level for the next seven years and then maybe take a couple steps back over his last three, if he stays with the Dodgers for the next ten years, what is a realistic number of World Series you think they end up with? 
Hmm. Re- like, not thinking about, like, if everything goes right, if everything goes wrong. Like, based on what you know about the Dodgers, based on what you know about Shohei adding him to this team, what do you think is a realistic number for the next 10 years? Right. I think if he can pitch, I don't suspect that he'll be able to pitch and hit for the whole 10 years. Right. I think he can do that. Well, obviously, he's not pitching this coming year. Um, through From 2025 to, like, 2028, 20, he might be able to pitch if he's healthy. And if he's pitching at a high clip and he's playing at Shohei's level, yep. what we've seen him do, the two MVP Shohei, then I could see them winning four or five. Wow. I could. I mean, yep. like, you're you're getting one of the best pitchers in the league if he is at his best. Yep. And you're getting the 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 best home run hitter in in the American League last year who hit like 300. Yeah. I, I mean the the impact is just crazy and because of all of his deferrals the Dodgers can sign whoever they want. So and the Dodgers are already a huge market that attracts talent like yep. that and they're on the coast so they're going to get the talent along with Shohei. So the, I I think they're they they're not going to win like eight or nine or anything right. crazy like right. that because there are teams in baseball that surprise good teams like the Dodgers and there there have been memes going around like after Shohei got signed he was like all of these all of this to lose to the eighty nine win Phillies in the NLCS <laughs> and and that kind of stuff happens yeah. we've seen it time and time again so I think I think if if the things go right, they can win. They can win four or five World Series. Okay, so let's say they win five. Um, let's say that's the realistic number. What do you think is the bare minimum to deem this a success? So if they don't win this amount, it's it's the Shohei signing was useless. I think they have to win at least two. In I my agree. mind, that's kind of how it feels. I agree because right now, I mean, they're for me of, winning one isn't enough. Right, they're kind of on the verge of winning a World Series already. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just signed the the biggest baseball superstar that we've seen in this generation to a 10-year deal. Yeah. And now it's your responsibility as a franchise with all this deferred money to build around him now and win now. So you have to expect to win two, three championships within this contract to call it like, yes, that was worth it. Because if it's not, you'll be waiting the next 10 years like, man, that contract really screwed us over, didn't it? I agree. So I I think it's... uh, Two two was also my number, but I could could see three also being like, if you don't win three. Right. Because, I mean, that's a third, basically, of the years you sign him for. Um, so for me, like I would say, realistically, you'd like to win five. Um, you know, maybe win a couple back to back, take a year off, and then you know just translate or not translate. That's not the word I'm gonna alternate uh, years from then on out. Um, kind of looking at maybe what the Spurs did um, from 2000 to 2014, um, and then you know what the Lakers did in the early 2000s, like that kind of that kind of run, right? Uh, maybe an even uh, a Nikes. Nineties Yankees type thing, um, so we'll see where the Dodgers go. But they also are one of those teams where they're known to sign big players, and then it doesn't quite work the way they want it to. So we'll see where it goes. Um, I know you could talk about baseball all day, but we do have to do our last segment here on the show. Right. Um, the rhythm and blues betting, however, um, rhythm is not here. So I guess it's uh, 
the blues and clown car betting for blues today. Blues and clown car. Yeah, uh, we do it based off our fantasy name. Which, uh, in case you were wondering, the rhythm and blues did make the playoffs. Let's go uh, in the school of mullets for the first time in our three-year existence. Um, we did sneak in at the four seed, I believe. Um, only six teams in our fourteen-team league make it. We snuck in at the four seed. Uh, went eight and six on the season, but you know, a couple things go here and there. We could have been better. Could have been worse. Um, we'll see how we make it in the playoffs. We're taking on a, a fellow eight and six team, um, and then we'll, hopefully we'll move into the second round. But we'll talk about that next week. Um, so let's get into our bets. Okay. Uh, we we made our parlays before the show, um, and this will be the last thing we do before we wrap up this episode. Um, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I can start us off. Let me pull it up real quick. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what we did is we did four leg parlays like we normally do. Um, and although sometimes we do, you know, like half college, half NFL or I mean, college you know, isn't really happening. Right exactly. Now. That's what I was going to say is we can't do college right now because it's not happening. Uh, but we'll get there once we get, you know, to the bowl games kicking in. So why don't you give us your four leg parlay? OK, so we start off with the Los Angeles Chargers with Easton Stick. What are they? Plus three, I think. Let me pull up the odds. Yeah, Chargers are plus three. I think Easton Stick, even even though they don't have Herbo, I think the Raiders are that bad. Scored zero points in an NFL game. I think I think the Raiders are abysmal with arguably a top three wide receiver in the league on their team. So I, I think the Chargers win that one despite how bad they have been on Thursday night. That's Thursday night football, right? Yep, that's going to be our Thursday much. night game. And then I have the Indianapolis Colts minus two and a half. Uh, Steelers looked really bad against who they play on Thursday. The Patriots. Oh my God, yeah. Patriots, Patriots beat are, them. Patriots are horrible, and they put up twenty-one points against these Steelers. So I think the Colts uh, are gonna are gonna win by more than two and a half. Um, and then I have Atlanta. I know it's it's rough. Uh, I have Atlanta minus three against Carolina. Battle in the South. Battle of horrible football teams. <laughs> um, but one of the football teams is way worse than the other. So yeah, very true. I have Atlanta minus three. And then at the very end, I have the Houston Texans over the Tennessee Titans. I believe they're plus two and a half. I think it is plus two and a half. Yeah. The, the Texans are plus two and a half. And that's because the Texans played bad football this past week and the Titans beat the Dolphins so lines are looking kind of weird right now but I still think the Texans are a much better football team than the Titans so I think plus two and a half is a a pretty good bet and I think it depends on CJ Stroud's health too because as the biggest CJ Stroud fan known to man um, he did suffer a a pretty nasty hit that they think was a concussion. So we'll see where that goes. But what are those odds uh, on the four-leg parlay? Uh, Plus 1185. Hello. It's not that bad. Um, I mean, uh, I like them. Right, yeah. I I like the The Chargers one does make me a little iffy just because we don't know what Easton Stick can bring to the table. Oh, I know. Um, Okay. We go way back. All right. Heard that. Um, So with my four-leg parlay, I did – bet one of the same legs as you. I went with the Colts minus two and a half. Steelers defense looked terrible against the Patriots. Kenny Pickett is bad um, and out right now. Um, So Mitch Trubisky's playing for them. Um, They struggled to score 20 points on a Patriots defense who allowed 34 to the Saints. Um, So 
I don't trust anything that the Steelers are doing <laughs> um, right now. So, and, and the Colts are the Colts are playing good football and in the playoffs right now. Uh, Gardner Minshew has been playing pretty darn well. So I'm going to go Colts minus two and a half. Um, and then I have uh, the Cowboys and the Bills. That's a really fun game. Bills coming off a very controversial win against the Chiefs, um, which honestly. Good call. If the dude's offsides, he's offsides. I know it sucks, Patrick Mahomes, but stop complaining. <laughs> he was offsides by a lot. Yeah, like it wasn't It wasn't like a ticky-tack call. Like the dude was by rule offsides, and he didn't even check with the ref. So I'm sorry. It happens. Uh, cry about it. 2018 NFC Championship. Um, <laughs> so Cowboys at Bills. Uh, the line right now is Bills minus two and a half. But the Cowboys have been dominating, so I took the Cowboys at the plus points. The Bills? I think anytime you get, I think anytime you get a team that just beat the defending NFC champion by twenty points, and you get them at plus, I'm going to take that. So I took the Cowboys plus two and a half. The Bills are favored. Yeah, yeah, that's how I felt. They must be in Buffalo. They are in Buffalo. I say the Cowboys wouldn't be dogs at home. Um, I, I've, I'm taking the Cowboys there. Um, Dak has been on an MVP level recently. C.D. Lamb is tearing up any defense he plays. They figured out a one-two punch with Pollard and Dowdle that's actually working really well. And then we know their defense could show up. They held the Eagles to zero offensive touchdowns uh, with a team that has Jalen Hurts, one of the best O-lines, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, DeAndre Swift. Um, so I, I trust the Cowboys um, as much as I hate to say it because I hate that franchise. <laughs> it's very true. I trust them. Um, and then I have the Saints game, New York Giants on Sunday. I took the Giants plus six. The s- six is too many points to give the Saints to win a football game right now. I know we just beat the Panthers by 22, um, and the Giants aren't a great football team, but they're a whole lot better than the Panthers are. I think everybody in the league is. Right. Um, I think the Giants and the Saints are kind of on the same level of football team right now. Um, so, you know, getting six points against the Saints offense, I don't trust to score a lot of points. I'll take the Giants in that matchup. The Giants just beat uh, the a, Packers. a streaky football team. Yeah. The Packers haven't been... They played horrible ball last night, right. but but they, they've been playing better ball recently. Yeah, and I'm not saying the Giants are going to win the game. I think the Saints can pull out a win, um, but I'll take the points at plus six. And then the final leg of that parlay is the Sunday night football game, which is I think is going to be a fantastic game. And that's Baltimore going to Jacksonville. Uh, two top four teams in the AFC, um, but I'm going to take my Super Bowl favorite, and that is the Baltimore Ravens um, at minus three and a half to go into Jacksonville and cover that spread. Um, they just had a hard-fought battle against the Rams in the weather, um, and for me, what I look for in a really good football team is can you win close ones, can you win blowouts, and then can you find different ways to win, and the Ravens have done all three of those this year. They've beaten really good teams, and they've uh, battled against you know teams maybe they should have beaten by more, um, but they always seem to come out on top, um, and they find different ways to win. Lamar threw for 303 touchdowns this past week, even though Keaton Mitchell and Gus Edwards combined for five touchdowns a few weeks ago. <laughs> um, so I think the Ravens, you know, they have their identity on offense. They know what they can do, um, and, and that defense shows up to play uh, against the hurt Trevor Lawrence. So uh, I'm going to take the Ravens minus 3.5 there. So Ravens minus 3.5, Cowboys plus 2.5, Giants plus 6, Colts minus 2.5. That is a four-leg parlay for plus 1230. It's big odds, but I feel good about it. I really like all four of these bets. Usually, I don't like all my bets, um, <laughs> but I feel good about this one. So, I went ahead and bet it. Um, so, that'll that'll wrap up this betting segment. Anything else you want to say before we head out uh, on this episode of OTD? Uh, yeah. Um, in baseball, weirdly enough, this is like a new development. Like, yesterday... 
Will Smith, you know, the closer yeah. for the... He was an Astros, Braves, Rangers closer. Yeah. He's won three World Series in a row. Wow. Yesterday, he signed with the Royals. So he's not winning four World Series. It doesn't row. seem like that. And it's an interesting move because somebody else signed with the Royals today that was kind of like, hmm, like why did that happen? The Royals is a it, really interesting... Seth Lugo. He was a, a good... Seth, really? Seth Lugo, three years. He was being talked about to the Red Sox. He signed with the Royals today. Interesting. And it's it's kind of perplexing. Um, hey, maybe they think there's some pitching away. You know, they got Bobby Witt down there, who's a fantastic young player. Maybe they think they've got a Diamondbacks type thing going where they need some pitching behind them. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Well, every team needs pitching. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the, the perpetual There's There's thing no with team baseball. that has enough pitching. Right. Um. It's kind of like, it's kind of like an NFL offense. You can never have too many wide receivers. Yeah, but yeah, I just I just wanted to mention that real quick because it's yeah. it's kind of interesting how how two of these two I mean notable pitchers went to Kansas City, who was one of the worst teams in baseball last year. We'll have to see. I mean, keep an eye on it. Yeah, keep an eye on the Kansas City Royals. That's that's clown cars take. Um, so I, I think this was a fun episode. We got to talk about a lot of different stuff. Glad to have you back on after a long time being gone. Um, Rebo Hustle and Mustang were out of the office today, but they'll be back on soon enough. Uh, Rebo Hustle hasn't been on in a long time. He basically left us hanging, but we'll see if we can get him to actually uh, participate for once. Um, But thank everybody for watching. Thank you for being active in the comments. This is one of the most active comment section we had in a long time. Shout out to Dutt. Uh, Shout out to, you know, Mustang being in the chat a little bit. And shout out to... Mr. Mr. Lottober. That's a double mister. Yeah, yeah. A little, um, little Lottober clown, Senior, a little clown bit. Clown Car Senior. A little bit of Clown Car Senior. Shout out. Uh, very good Twitter follow as well, if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, so thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you, everybody, for uh, following us on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it these days, off the underscore dome pod. Make sure to check out the No Network, K N E A U X, the only way to spell it. Um, make sure you check out all the podcasts going on over there. Um, you know, they've got ones that are similar to this where, we, you know, we just get to talk about what we love. We've got, uh, you know, the baseball podcast with the squeeze. Um, they, they've got a new Pelicans podcast going on that they just put out a new episode last night. So make sure to check that out. Um, lots of good writing on the website, previews and post game stuff of Pelicans and Saints games. I mean, there's tons of stuff being written up uh, on the website. So make sure to check out everything at the know. Um, again, follow us on Twitter, off the underscore dome pod, and you can always go listen to us on Spotify as well, off the dome sports podcast, or rewatch these lives right on our account. So, thank you very much for watching. I am Redfish. I am Clown Car. This is Off the Dome, and we will see you next time.